I want to I want to kind of finish what we were talking about last week, and then kind of continue to move forward in John. Um, and it's interesting that all this that, that we're talking about all this in the midst of what's going on around us in the in the world and in America and everything with the elections and everything. Um, how <laughs> the Lord is so good to to kind of highlight the good news and highlight Himself and and. Uh, when, when a lot of times we're grabbing for things that we really shouldn't be grabbing for. So we kind of ended last week with, uh, if you guys remember, uh, we were talking about Malchus getting his ear chopped off and then Jesus putting it back on. And uh, so when they were coming to take Jesus to be crucified, they were asking who he was. And, you know, when he said who he was, all the soldiers actually fell down. They fell backwards. Um, and we were talking about how we really needed to put... Um, we really need to understand where our power was, and our power comes from the gospel. The gospel is the power, and that our sword isn't a physical sword because we don't fight against flesh and blood, but our sword is actually what we say is the gospel, is the good news, that the power that we have is speaking the truth of who Jesus is, is the foundation of everything that we believe is in him. It's not just about him. It's not just you know a teaching from, from Paul or, or anyone else or me or anyone else. It, it is Jesus. What we believe is Jesus, and it's in him. And it's from him. And so from that place is where we get power. It's not of our, of our own ability to take in information, be anointed in certain areas. Um, anything that we could really stand on on our own is not where our power comes from, right? So Jesus demonstrates to us what his kingdom looks like, and he demonstrated to Peter in that moment. Because as we talked about last week, it's easy to say you, you wouldn't do something or you would do something until you're put in that position. So I think it's important that um, he had a sword, and it's important to see that he was, Peter was put in a position to see and to understand what it meant to not use a sword, to have it and not use it. And I think it's important to see that it wasn't just a, a lesson that you could just be, be taught, but it was something that had to be lived out and seen, and, for, and it's important for us to see it as well, that when he said this is, and it's almost, I really see this as I was looking over this this morning again, I really see this as a, a prophetic word about us hearing and really listening to what Jesus is saying here because Malchus' ear was put back on. And we know, as we studied last week, that wasn't just a physical healing, but he was giving him his job back because Levitical law said he, was, he could not go and serve if, if he had some kind of deformity or something wrong with him. Now, we have to recognize that this, in all practical purposes, um, was Jesus' enemy. This was someone coming to take him and kill him. This was not necessarily a good guy, if, if you will. This was not someone who was for Jesus at all. This is not someone that was looking for love, forgiveness, grace, or healing. This was something, someone coming to take Jesus to be crucified. But what he got was grace and peace and love and healing. He got something that he didn't deserve. And it was demonstrated in front of Peter who needed to see that. Because Peter was such a crucial part in the early church when he came out and he, he, he took that stand after his restoration. He recognized that Jesus was the Messiah, that this was the new covenant that was ushered in, and this was the reality that they were now going to live in. This was important a part in the timeline that, we, that Peter had to see, but we needed to see as well. We needed to see that power doesn't mean you pull a sword every time because that's how the kingdoms of the earth fight. Power is you put it up and the kingdom heals and brings restoration. That what we needed to see, what we necessarily didn't want to see, because sometimes it feels good to take revenge, or it feels good to fight in a certain way to us. But what we needed to see was Jesus fights in a different way. 
Jesus' kingdom works in a different way. So Malchus was a servant of the high priest. Um, uh, Jesus doesn't just restore Malchus' hearing. He restores his position. Um, do you remember Jesus preaching about loving your enemy? He doesn't just preach that stuff. <laughs> he was actually doing it, demonstrating it. Um, Malchus was not for Jesus. He didn't want the love forgiveness, but he got it anyway. I think it's just important that we see that there was, there was something a little bit deeper going on than just uh, an earthly defense because we're, what I've seen and what breaks my heart and is, is going to cause me to go on another uh, social media fast is all the hate and division, all the hate and, and, and fear and panic and pride and arrogance and frustration that I see and honestly, mostly amongst believers. As though we are fighting in the flesh. <laughs> Listen, the sword that we talked about last week in Revelation is a double-edged sword, and it goes, and it can do one of two things. It can kill or it can heal. And I think when Jesus was saying, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword, he's not just talking physically. If that situation I talked about last week, if I would have, I've never had to take another man's life. I hope I never, ever, ever do. But if I would have, I would not have been pleased about it. It would have been broken. I think in the same way, if a man takes another man's life, he takes a little bit of his own life. It takes something away from you. The sword that Revelation is talking about that's two-edged is a sword of life. And when the word, the logos, goes out, it heals and it brings restoration. And not only that, and it's quite the opposite of living by the sword and dying by the sword. It also heals and brings restoration to you when you give it. That's that two-edged sword. When it goes out, when we speak the logos, when we speak the life of God, when we speak Jesus to people, when we bring restoration in life, we, we've talked so many times about uh, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the difference of those two things. It doesn't matter what the fruit looks like. If it's, off the wrong, if it's on the wrong tree, it doesn't really matter. You, we have to speak the truth, and the truth is life. And... Unfortunately, I've cut my ear off a few times and getting distracted by all the people going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And my, just like yours, my emotions rise up and my frustration rise up and my fear and my anxiety start to rise up. And I, every time I've got to turn around and look back and go, okay, let's get grounded again. Let's find out what we're here for. I don't want to get into too much detail about everything else because that's the temptation is to address everything else and not focus on the gospel. I really want to focus on the gospel. But sometimes we have to at least address a little bit of it, and I want to a little bit today. So bear with me um, as we do. I want to tell you that um, no matter who your, you know, your favorite presidential candidate or your, or your political party, whatever that is, um, whether they win or lose, I'm not being apathetic and saying you don't need to be passionate or care about those things. I think you do, but I think those things should always come second to your first commission, and that's the kingdom. And I see too many people skipping over that kingdom and stepping into a kingdom that's going to shake. It's, it's by nature, every kingdom except for the kingdom of God is going to be shaken. It's not when, I mean, it's not if, it's when. And I feel like our kingdom, if you want to call it that, in America is being shaken. It was shaken with COVID, it was shaken with the racism, and now it's shaken with this election. And it's the same spirit of division that's trying to divide people and hurt people. It's, it's feeding into fear and hate and stress and anxiety. 
What do you think that is? That's the enemy. It's not the election. It's not your candidate. It's not COVID. It's not racism. Those things are real. Those things are important. Those things are things we need to talk about and address. But those, none of those things supersede the kingdom of God. No matter who your favorite candidate is or, 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 or whoever the president is today or tomorrow or whenever they figure it out, um, uh, if they ever do, they can make it easier for abortions. They can make it easier to try to take prayer out of school, but they cannot stop any of it. They can't stop prayer in school. The, the, what changes people from having abortions and killing babies is you and I. Where, where, where people have leaned too heavily on the government to do, the church has, should have been doing for years. Amen. Not protesting out there, but, ta- but, but speaking into the lives of young women, speaking into the lives of students in schools, being up there in the youth room and talking to these kids about who Jesus is and who they are in Christ. Being out there and loving people and having conversations with your enemies and praying for your enemies, and caring for people. This is who we are. It should be second nature for us. I just want to encourage you, and I don't do this very often, but I just want to encourage you, don't be distracted by that stuff and, 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 and get so involved in it that it, it takes you away from your first calling, and your first calling is the same as mine and everyone else's that's a believer. It's to advance the kingdom on earth. It's to, it's to preach the good news and to share the gospel. It's to, to speak, teach, love, and demonstrate who Jesus is to people right now, right where they are. To your waiter, to your waitress, to your friends. To the friend that you can't stand because they voted a different way than you. Start with them. Have a conversation. All right, that's my little baby soapbox for that. We're going to get back to Scripture. (laughs) After they do take Jesus, there's going to be a time when uh, Peter denies Christ. We're going to skip over that because I want to talk about that when we actually get to it because I'm going to come back to it when he's restored. So we're going to skip over that, and we're going to jump down to John 18.33. If you want to go there, you can. John 18.33. says, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is this your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Now, this is an important part of Scripture. He is, he, and we'll go on in a minute where Pilate asks him if he's a king, but he is proclaiming to be part of a different kingdom. Now, Pilate would recognize that in the terminology that he used. It would have been similar to an empire. He would have been saying, I'm a part of a different empire than yours, and Rome would have recognized an empire or a kingdom. And so he's essentially saying, I am separate from what you're talking about. I'm part of a different kingdom. And it was an even different uh, kingdom than what the Jews were talking about. And I'm, we're going to talk about what this kingdom is, so we're going to have to go all the way back to Daniel 2.24. This is in the Old Testament. Huh? Oh. So we're going to jump back to Daniel 2.24. 
and this is going to be kind of long, and I'm just going to I'm going to read right straight through it. But this is going to give you an, a, a hopefully a greater understanding and a, a better understanding of what kingdom he's talking about right here. Daniel two twenty four it says. Then Daniel went to, and he's, he's interpreting a dream of King Nebuchadnezzar. If you don't know the story, King Nebuchadnezzar's had a dream, and he wants somebody to interpret it. So Daniel comes to interpret this dream in 24, 224. It says, Then Daniel went to Ariok, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Ariok took Daniel to, uh, to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. Verse 26, the king asked Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar that what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. And so he's telling him the dream that he had. He is telling Nebuchadnezzar exactly what he dreamed. Now, obviously, he already knows it. So he says, as your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While, while you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. Man, remember that. <laughs> I'm going to back up and read that one more time because when we get into this, this is going to make a lot more sense. The silver and gold were all broken, the clay, the bronze. They became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret, to, interpret it to the king. Verse 37. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them. You, king of Babylon, are the head of gold. So he's recognizing that he uh, is the head of gold in the dream. After you, another kingdom will arise. And right here he's talking about the Medes and the Persians, and they actually conquered Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar in just one generation after this. So he's saying, after you, another kingdom will arise. He's talking about the Medes and Persians here. Inferior to yours, next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. And this is talking about Greece, and it was under Alexander the Great, and they conquered the Medes and Persians. And none of this has happened yet. He's talking about this is going to happen. He's, he's telling them this is going to happen. So he's saying a third, a third kingdom, one of bronze, talking about Greece, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, verse 40, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. He's talking about Rome here. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, 
so will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay, as the toes were partly iron and partly clay. So this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united and uh, any more than iron mixes with clay. And he's just talking about how Rome was extending their rule and bringing other people in. So there was a mixture of those two things. Verse 44. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold to pieces. So we have to see what's going on here. When Jesus is standing before Pilate, he is the one that's bringing in this new kingdom. He is the one that is crushing all the other kingdoms. He's the one that is going to be the, the he is going to usher in the kingdom that never shakes, that never fades away, that, that endures forever. This is what's happening when he says, my kingdom is not of this world. When Pilate says, oh, so you, you must be a king, and, and why are you here? And he says, well, you don't even understand. Why can't Pilate understand? Why doesn't Pilate see this kingdom? One, because it's invisible, Right? Pilate can't see it, he can't understand it because it's not really there. And two, it doesn't look like any kingdom that they've ever seen. How many times has Jesus described the kingdom in a way that we go, what? What are you talking about? He says, the kingdom is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, dot, dot, dot. The kingdom is not some destination that you're going to reach when you die one day. That's part of it, but the kingdom is bigger than that. The kingdom, wherever Jesus is, his kingdom goes with him. When it says the kingdom is not is not uh, meat or drink, but is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's meaning that the important part was that it wasn't, it wasn't a destination that, it, that they had to reach. It was something that Jesus was going to make happen on his own. He was going to bring in the new covenant, and there was not going to be anything that could stop it. There was not going to be a kingdom on earth that could, that could change that. Jesus, in, in John 18, 36, was saying the kingdom that they should have known from Daniel was here. That kingdom that was prophesied thousands of years before was here. It was happening right in front of them. Let's go back to John. In verse 37, it says, You are a king then, Pilate said. And Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. And to me, that points back to the ear thing, the, 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 the idea that we really have to, we have to have ears to hear what Jesus is saying here. If, if it's just going to be another kingdom like the other kingdoms, it doesn't really matter, right? If it's just an, another kingdom like the kingdoms that were before, those kingdoms could be conquered, couldn't they? Those kingdoms could fall. Those kingdoms could be defeated. Those kingdoms didn't last. But he's not talking about the same kind of kingdom that they saw in the past. He's talking about a different kind of kingdom. He's talking about an eternal kingdom. He's talking about the truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the word. I'm the logos that became flesh and walked among you. Verse 38, what is truth? <laughs> Retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews and gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. And it goes on to talk about Barabbas and I, I think I want to talk about that next week for time purposes, but um, let's just keep going into John 19 and 
and we'll come back to that. See, John 19, 1 says, then, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put on his head. They clothed him in purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail the King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. And this is the, the first time Jesus has ever been treated like this. Is, is, is just starting right now. Bless you. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to him, said to them, here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officers saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. Now the, 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 the kind of interesting thing here we talked about, we actually talked about in youth uh, last Wednesday, was how Jesus was not really guilty of anything. He hadn't done anything wrong. All he did was bring healing and peace and love and understanding and forgiveness. But he is on trial next to Barabbas, who was led an insurrection, was a, a thief, a murderer, had all these things against him. And his pictures painted in front of us, essentially showing us as Barabbas and Jesus as our Savior. By every right, Barabbas should have went to the cross. Every, everything was against him, but Jesus had done nothing wrong, but he's the one that took it, took it for us. This is a stark contrast to what normal kingdoms look like. That's not how normal kingdoms work. You punish those that you were against. You don't set them free and forgive them, right? It feels good to do that because it's, it's right. It's the right thing to do. I say the problem, and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek. The problem with being a Christian is we don't have that luxury. We don't have the luxury to stand on our own because we shouldn't even be here. You know, when Jesus says, are you going <laughs> to, he tells us, are you going to leave too? All these people were leaving, and he, talked, he was talking about all that flesh and blood eating stuff. Like, you guys going to leave too? Where else would we go? That's the way I see this stuff. It's like, look. I could, I could form my own basis, my own theology, my own doctrine around something that I feel passionate about or I feel like is good. I think we could all do that very easily. The problem with that is it's not Jesus. It's not based on him. What's going on around us and everything that we're dealing with, it's easy to try to, I keep using this because it's a visual in my head of cutting our own ear off. I, we could easily cut our ear off and focus on something completely different and not listen to what the gospel is trying to tell us. Listen, don't be distracted by everything that's going on around you. That every kingdom, whether it's the American kingdom or the worldly kingdom, whatever kingdom it is, it's going to pass away. And I'm not anti-America. I am thankful to live in America. I, I am not at all trying to bash America or, or our leaders or anything like that. I'm saying there's a kingdom that is great, and it's a kingdom that we're a part of. We get to partake in. Am I losing? Can you throw that mic real quick? I want to read to you, and this is from the message, just because I like the way the message puts it. It's very colorful in the writing. It's from Hebrews 12, 18 through 21. It says, unlike your ancestors, you didn't come to Mount Sinai. All that volcanic blast and earth-shaking rumble to hear God speak. The ear-splitting words and soul-shaking message terrified them, and they begged him to stop. 
When they heard the words, if an animal touches the mountain, it is as good as dead, they were afraid to move. I would be too. Even Moses was terrified. No, that's not your experience at all. You've come to Mount Zion, the city where the living God resides. The invisible Jerusalem is populated by throngs of festive angels and Christian citizens. It is the city where God is judge, with judgments that make us just. You've come to Jesus, who presents us with a new covenant, a fresh charter from God. He is the mediator of the covenant. The murder of Jesus, unlike Abel's, a homicide that cried out for vengeance, became a proclamation of grace. So don't turn a deaf ear. Here it is again, this imagery. Don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, that what will happen to, to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings? His voice that, that time shook the earth to its foundations, this time he's told us to, quite plainly, he'll also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. The phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning, getting rid of all historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see what we've got, an unshakable kingdom? And do you see how thankful we must be, not only thankful but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God? For God is not indifferent, an indifferent bystander. He's actually cleaning house, torching all that needs to, be, needs to burn, and he won't quit until it's all cleansed. God himself is fire. What do you think he's, quench, what do you think he's burning? All those other kingdoms. Anything that can be shaken will be shaken, and he's crushing them all. It says, uh, I can't remember where it is, but when he, when he talks about the rock, basically when Jesus was coming, he was going to be the rock and he was going to be a stumbling block to those that wouldn't receive him. Basically, he's going to come, and if you don't receive his forgiveness, there is no other way, and you'll, he'll roll right over you. <laughs> That's the only way. When the rock comes, things happen. When he shows up and that rock comes and the forgiveness of God comes, if we don't accept it, we don't have anything else. And That's what he's talking about through around verse 25. There is no other way. There's no other avenue with which we can find forgiveness and find ourselves in an unshakable kingdom except through Jesus. Going back to the to what we do as Christians should be it should be evident by everyone around us, and it it should be. And I, and I think of the stories of of just awesome awesome men of God that have gone into cities and and revivals have started and bars would shut down. And, you know, prostitution wouldn't be able to run anymore because everyone was just worshiping and loving the Lord. Listen, if you, if, if you really, you and I both, not just you, if we really believe this gospel to be true, we should be living it out daily. We should be looking for opportunities to show it to other people every moment of every day. Not just when we're at the peak of, of some catastrophe or some stress or something that's going on in our country. Listen, there are more people out there than just our country, too, that need to hear it. Honduras just got hit by a hurricane. I don't hardly even see it, only because I have friends that are over there. The media's not even talking about it. They were absolutely crushed. I mean, these are, these are people that we've met. We've gone over there and ministered to those people and prayed with them and seen awesome, radical things. We've seen people healed over there. But because we're so caught up sometimes in our own things, we miss that stuff because we're, we want to stand up and be like we know everything. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. 
Jesus is making a real clear distinction about kingdoms here. We have to see that he's talking about a complete different look of power and what power looks like. If your kingdom is of this world, violence will be your first response. That'll be, that'll be our first response. And it's, it's, it's very almost natural to us sometimes to want to do that. And I'm not going to pretend like I don't want to do that. When I see a post or something sparks my interest or I'm passionate about, you guys, most of you guys know in here, I was supposed to be aborted. So when we talk about abortion, I'm passionate about that. I like being alive and I'm glad that I am. And so when people talk about that, I'm 100% for pro, I'm pro-life. But I also know that there's times that I need to shield my sword or put my sword in its sheath. And I don't need to speak every single time. It's not my place. But there are times that I do. And the times that I do need to make a difference in somebody's life, life, not just to oppose them so that they can feel like I know better than them or that we can fight about it. It's the people that, that, that oppose my view is the ones that I need to sit down and have a conversation with and explain, this is who I am and this is why I believe this way. Not over social media to publicly blast them and try to humiliate them. Listen, please, 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 please don't do that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to say this. We're going to talk about the kingdom. I don't care. We're gonna, we'll get more batteries. We'll be here all day. I don't care. Our response, our response should always be a response in love. And I'm not talking about puppy dogs and flowers. I'm talking about the furious love that we sing about that changes lives. We talked about Barabbas uh, Wednesday in youth. And the kids asked, and it was a good question. They said, what do you think happened to Barabbas? I was like, I don't know. I don't think there's any evidence of, of really what happened to him. They said, well, do you think his, his life changed? I was like, well, I, think, I would think so. I would think that such a public display of radical grace and love would change somebody's life, but I can't say that for sure. But it doesn't change the fact that Jesus did it. It's not up to you to determine whether, whether God's word works. It does. You just have to give it freely. Freely we receive, freely we give. We call ourselves an R&D church, receive and distribute. Receive and distribute, that's all we do. We give the good news and God does the work. How, listen, the kingdom goes with the word of God. When you speak the word of God, the kingdom goes with it. We, we have to be careful not to negate the Holy Spirit in some of these matters. We feel a lot of times, and me too, we feel like we have to convince people of something. You don't have to convince anybody of anything. Truth is truth. It's always brought to light. Give the truth and it'll bring itself to light. Especially when it talks about the truth in love. That doesn't mean be a jerk to somebody and say, I'm only telling you because I love you. That's not the truth in love. That's being a jerk <laughs> and trying to prove a point. When you tell somebody the truth in love, you're telling somebody the truth in love. The truth is love. When you tell them the truth about themselves is that God loves them right where they are, regardless of what they've done, what they're going to do, or what they will ever do. And that changes a life from the inside out. You want to put on outward constraint and try to, try to I, I'm telling you, I've seen it in ministry too many times, the whole bait and switch you want to try to trick people into the kingdom? Come on, man. Don't cheapen it. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't do that. I mean, don't. 
We could talk about it, but just don't do that. Don't, don't try to convince people that you're right and they're wrong. That's, e- that's another kingdom. His kingdom says speak the truth and something will happen because his spirit goes with it. The logos is not, when we talk about the, the written word, the logos is the Bible, but it's also the spoken word of God to people. Logos means it's alive. The, the word is alive. It is in you and I. And when we speak it, something happens. Man, I'm trying to remember that there's a, uh, I listen to rap. I'm just, I grew up on rap music. I, I thought after I be, going from a youth pastor to a senior pastor, I was like, maybe I shouldn't listen to rap music anymore. That seems like a childish thing. I was like, nope, it's not. I like rap music. It is what it is. Um, but there's, there's a verse that uh, one of the Christian rappers I listen to says, uh, study the lie, they can make new lies up. Study the truth and you'll know when the lie comes. And I love that verse because it's true. So many times I see Christians trying so hard to figure out who the Antichrist is and who is this and what lies this church is doing this and this, somebody's got a different interpretation of the Bible and it's going to lead everyone astray. And I'm like, okay, okay, maybe. But what are, we doing to, what are we doing to speak truth and speak the gospel to people? Let's be on the positive side, not trying to make up some difference that, that Jesus has already made up. Speak the truth in love and things will happen right in front of you. Give the good news and you'll see the manifestation of it. Operate from a kingdom that you can't see and watch his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What an awesome thing to be a part of. The kingdom that Pilate didn't, couldn't see and couldn't understand was a kingdom that was about to replace his kingdom. Oh, you think you're a king? You say that I'm a king. <laughs> I love Jesus. Is that what you say or does somebody tell you that? He does. <laughs> say, he's like, say it. Say I'm a king. <laughs> I mean, I am. <laughs> I just want to hear you say it. Is that something you heard? And Jesus, that's what I love about Jesus too. He didn't have to prove, he wasn't going out to like prove himself to anybody. He knew exactly who he was. He was a son. Even when the devil tempted him, he was like, I don't have to do that. I know that I could turn rocks into bread. Did you forget about the fishes? And the lows, I'm, I'm good at doing that. <laughs> totally fine with making food, but I'm the bread of life. I'm it. I'm, <laughs> you're telling me to do stuff, but I am the stuff. <laughs> Y'all can quote me on Jesus. I am the stuff. Listen, our response will reflect our kingdom. If our response is, is fear, frustration, anger, violence, if our response is that, that's not from the kingdom of heaven. It's not from the kingdom of God. It says he, we will know each other by our fruit. You know, we talk about fruit comes from the type of tree that it comes from. The knowledge, of, if you're eating from the knowledge of the tree, the tree, I can't even speak, knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life, it doesn't matter how good your fruit looks if it's off the wrong tree. If you're trying to speak truth to someone and you're condemning them and you're, and you're trying to put them down, you're speaking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're not speaking the tree of life. The sword you're using is the wrong sword. Sh- sword. <laughs> you're using the wrong sword. The shorts. <laughs> oh my gosh. Here we go. That that went south quick. If if you <laughs> Doug did it. I said sword. He said Schwartz. You guys are space balls. All right. If, if, your response, if your response could be found in the world, then your response is not from the kingdom. Let me say that again. If your response could be found in the world, then your response is not from the kingdom. It's impossible for any other kingdom to give you life. 
If you want, if you really want to see change, love your neighbor. Especially the neighbor that hates your favorite politician. Start there. You could, but I only got one mic. I guess we can share. Come on, hey, come on up here. Lydia Turner, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, guys. Um, but as we were reading, I was, <laughs> I was using a different translation. I think it was Holman. And uh, when, they're when they're like, I was like, hey, guys, um, do you want me to let go? Of, you want me to let a prisoner loose? Do you want me to let Jesus free? And they're like, no, give us Barabbas. Um, in John 18, 40, they say um, that Barabbas, in my translation, it says it was, he was a revolutionary because the word in Greek apparently could mean thief as well. It's like Robert or revolutionary. And then others that I was looking at said that he was a Jewish freedom fighter, which means that he was, if that's the translation that they actually meant, um, means that he was very politically involved. And you were saying earlier, whatever happened to Barabbas? We don't know. His kingdom didn't stick around. His kingdom never stuck around. And you know what? They were the one, they're, <laughs> well, hold on. But they were, they were so confident that they wanted somebody who would fight for the kingdom that they were hoping for, and they didn't realize that the king they needed was right in front of them. They were about to crucify and getting so caught up in where our faith is that we could unwittingly cast off the best thing that could ever happen to us. Word. And that's, <laughs> I concur. That's, I see, uh, and I guess that's what I see a lot on, or, or lately I have seen a lot on social media that's been a little distracting is people have had their faith in a person or they still have their faith in a person. Like I said, I'm not, I don't, I don't say this to make light of it because I, I don't think that it's not important. And I don't want, I don't want to act as though it isn't. I just want to make sure that we understand what's most important. And, and I would be, I wouldn't be a good pastor or a good friend if I didn't tell you about a kingdom that is unshakable. If I didn't tell you about something that would sustain past, um, you know, the American dream or, or whatever it is, you know, whatever you think is right or wrong, there's something that is even greater that tells us what right and wrong is. And he was very clear when he told us. So I think from that place, I, I, I genuinely, man, even during worship, I was just feeling, um, but we're just going to go here. So <laughs> I was feeling that there, there, there needs to be, and I feel like there is going to be, some sort of, of revolution. And it's not going to be a, a division and a fighting or necessarily a, a physical battle, but I think there's going to be something spiritual that's going to happen in this country. And, and I'm telling you, if, if we will have ears to hear it, I, can, I keep saying that, if we will have ears to hear it and eyes to see it, we can be a part of it and we can change people's lives. And, and it doesn't matter, just like Lydia was saying, it doesn't matter what the government and the political people are doing. If, if people of God will rise up and begin to do this stuff, that kingdom will fall and this kingdom will do what it do. I'm, I'm just saying, it will displace that kingdom because that's what the kingdom of God does. It comes and it burns everything that's shakable. And it says God is a consuming fire and he will just burn it up. Not you, not me. We, we don't have to figure it all out. We just have to give the good news and watch what God can do in our lives and in the lives of the people that are around us. So I want to encourage you. 
as we move forward as a church and as a community and you guys as Christians, I want you to, to think about that when you talk and respond and act around your friends and especially around your enemies because hate will always just produce more hate. It's just what it does. But life produces more life. And when you speak life, you'll see more life begin to come up. And I'm telling you, it's a, it's a spiritual displacement. When more people of God begin to move and, and operate from love, the world changes and they won't even know what happened. All of a sudden, they'll just, you know, abortion clinics will just shut down because there's nobody showing up. Doesn't matter how funded or not funded it is. Kids will just be having prayer in church because they can't stop them. You can't stop people from praying. Have you ever stopped somebody from praying? Have you ever seen Christians that are persecuted? They just get stronger. <laughs> this, is, this is a, all of these things that people are, that I see, and I'm just going from my perspective because I don't see everything, but from what I see, all the people, that, all the things that people are stressing about are passing away. They're all passing away. I'm not stressing about that stuff. Be concerned about it. Be passionate about it. That's fine. But don't stress and don't fear. I mean, I'm seeing people that are in desperation right now. And I'm like, where is Jesus? Where is he? How do we skip over Jesus and get to this? All right, I'm going to stop. I'll just keep going. All right. Um, no matter how good the kingdoms of earth are, they all fail. <laughs> um. I mean, there's lots of differences in kingdoms, but the main difference is one lasts and the rest don't. I mean, it is what it is. The, the differences in all the earthly kingdoms and compared to the, the kingdom of God is they will rise and fall, but, but the kingdom of God will never fall. It will never fail. All right. Stand up with me. I'll pray for you guys. Man, 12 o'clock on the dot. I'm good. Three mics. Four mics. <laughs> all right. Uh, Father, we just thank you. Lord, I thank you that your kingdom has come and your will is being done on the earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I proclaim that right now. Lord, I proclaim that, that as we go, uh, we give the good news to everyone that we come in contact with in any, any way possible, even with words. <laughs> um, but, but Lord, I pray that we would be a representation and ambassador of your kingdom on earth every day. And Lord, I pray that we will begin to see that manifest on earth as it is in heaven every day. And Lord, I pray that, that more people, especially young people, man, I'm just feeling my heart is heavy for young people right now for us to reach out and to speak into their lives because they're the ones that are going to come and, and displace all these other kingdoms. They'll bring the kingdom of heaven into wherever they go, into whatever influence they have, whether it's in America or over the world, Lord. You are already planting seeds in their hearts right now. Lord, help us not just to, to put them off until they're an adult, but to speak life into them right now. Lord, I thank you for your truth. Lord, you are the way. It is, it is because of you why we're here. It is because of you why we do everything that we do. So Holy Spirit, lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.